Hi there, and welcome to the Home is a Changeling podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Ellsworth Keller, and I am so excited to be able to introduce you today one of my best friends, Katie Hemel. And she has a really interesting story, as of course we all do. But um, I have invited her to talk about her. Uh, experiences with home, which I think will be a little bit different than a few uh, that have already been discussed. So um, welcome, Katie. Introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Katie Hemel. I've known Ashley since we were about, I don't know, 13. And I'm glad that I could finally fit it in my schedule to meet with you because I know you've been asking since you first decided to do this podcast. I was the first choice, but Unfortunately, I've, you know, I just couldn't make it, make it work until now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You're just jetting all over. I know. Jetting oh, all over so Tennessee. Busy. I've been so busy. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell us, tell us a little bit. Um, we're going to, uh, we're going to get to how we met in a second, but tell us a okay. little bit about yourself, your, um, uh, your age, where you currently live, your family, your occupation. Okay, all the basics. Yeah. So I am 43. I live in Knoxville, Tennessee. I'm married to my husband of, I don't know, like 15 or 16 or something years, Brian. And we have two kids, an 11-year-old boy named Alex and a nine-year-old girl as of next Monday, Aww. Anna. I know she'll be mine. Wow. Um, yes. I work in special education as an early interventionist. So I work with children birth through, I don't know, four who have developmental delays or diagnoses that put them at risk for having a developmental delay. And I provide in-home therapy to them. And then I also split that job duty with some leadership duties, which has been really fun. That's great. I don't think I knew about the leadership duties part. Rather new. So it's been <laughs> a nice little uh, variation. Great. Great. Well, that's really awesome. Um, that work is so important and often gets overlooked. So thank you. Um, <clears throat> I want to uh, take a moment to talk about how we met and how we know each other. <laughs> and I was just thinking about it like an hour ago um, and just like laughing to myself because oh, sure. I, sure you were. This is, I'll never live this story down. <laughs> I I think about how I met all of my closest friends and I they're all really sweet, great stories, but I feel like this one is my favorite. <laughs> Right. Because it's not every day you meet one of your dearest friends headbanging at a church, like conference with water all over their head or whatever and flinging it around. I feel like you do a much better story of, um, or much better job at telling the story. Okay. I thought I'll we were it. friends, but apparently we were not. <laughs> I thought like you all thought I was totally cool, but. I was mistaken. <laughs> awareness as a thirteen-year-old, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. So it was it was summer, nineteen ninety-three, at, at Lutheridge, which has come up 
a few times um, in other other places in this newsletter and podcast. Um, and uh, it was the dance at the end of the week, which all the middle school and high school kids got to go to. And um, like, I, I always say like the dance at camp, the camp dance at Lutheridge was like always really, really good. There was basically, there was no Christian music. Um, it was all like pop current music, Dave Matthews, R.E.M. Um, R.E.M. The end of the world as yeah. we know it. Yeah. Like really good songs. Um, so yeah, it was always super fun. And um, you were in a different cabin, so we hadn't really like gotten to know each other too, too well. But me and my friend Laurie um, were there. And Betsy. Betsy Wilson was there too. <laughs> and, and our other friend Betsy, we, ha- we were all in the same cabin. And this girl like was, I don't know what song we were dancing to, but we were all dancing. You know, I'm sure I didn't know the song. I just probably <laughs> pretended to know it. Who knows? Yeah, like a big group of girls. And this one girl was she kept <laughs> she kept going to this tiny water fountain and dousing her hair with water and then coming back to the group and flinging her hair all over the place. And we were just horrified. We we're like this girl is so obnoxious. Like she's getting us all wet. Like she's so weird. (laughs) And we really, really did not like her. Um, and it turned out that was you. Um, (laughs) so much so that the next year at camp, Laurie and Betsy and I were like waiting on the first day for everybody to arrive and up walks this girl. And we were like, oh, my gosh, that's the girl from the dance. <laughs> <laughs> and I will say that was the summer I did it. I went when I didn't know a soul. I, before then, I had sort of gone with this girl from Hickory that when I went to visit Hickory, that's where my grandmother lived in North Carolina. And I went to church with her at a Lutheran church. And Kelly I want to say Clarkson, but I kind of can't be Kelly Clarkson. Surely no. to God, it's not. Um, <laughs> Carson, Kelly Carson. Carson, okay. Anyway, so she went to Lutheridge. And so for the couple years, we had sort of go the same week. And this was the first year I was going by myself. And I was so nervous. Little did I know that the cabin I was walking into <laughs> would not be running and greeting me with open arms. <laughs> Well, it's funny because um, I feel like we, before we met you, we were a group of girls who were like really, really fun, but really tight knit and um, very quick to judge those on the outside, I will say. But we also were very, very quick to accept you. I mean, it was probably like the first day within a few hours I'd say within the first half day yeah (laughs) so I didn't even know I remember you all didn't share with me how obnoxious you thought I was until like the middle towards the end of that week and I was like oh my god I had no idea I thought you remembered me and that's why we we became friends yeah (laughs) oh well you know it it just goes to show like you can have a tight-knit group and 
but be accepting of people and let them in. And then you can form your own tight knit group and really judge everybody else. Oh yeah. I mean, we we were pretty, we were pretty good at that. Like you just needed like a final member. Of course. I feel like we've got that down pat. Is there anybody we need to talk about while we're together right now and judge? (laughs) No, we're good. We're We're mature. We're mature now. Yeah, we Um, don't do that. Well, (laughs) um, well, let's, let's talk about where you live and, um, yeah, start with where, where you were born and do you know how many miles it is from where you live now? Yeah, that's a really good question. So this is kind of funny. I live, so I was born in Knoxville. Um, my dad is from Knoxville. My mom is from North Carolina, but they met here in Knoxville and then they've stayed here ever since. Um, and I live about eight and a half miles or so from my parents' home. But I have two younger siblings and I live the farthest away. Oh, one my sibling God. lives like a tenth of a mile from my parents, and then the other one lives about four miles or so. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty funny. I mean, my parents act like I live in a different state, I will say. <laughs> I, I feel like they legitimately think we're in a different state because we are on a different, well, we're, they're more central and we're a little farther west. Yeah. Where they live. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's definitely really different than um, a few other people I've talked to. So you literally just live a very short drive from, from where mm-hmm. you were born and family. Yes. There was, uh, I have not always been here. There was about 10 years where, um, we moved away and I don't think I could live here now having never have moved away. Yeah. I remember being, you're, you might, I might have to, um, get you to sing a song for me because I'm not going to sing on your podcast, but <laughs> you know, that Alice Cooper song, 18, will you sing it for me? I don't know that song. How do you not? <laughs> yes, you do. It's like 18. We got to get out of here. Something like that. Oh my gosh. So I, you don't know that song? No. So good. Um, I feel like it's a song that I don't know. I, I just, I just remember listening to it as an 18, 19, 20 year old going, mm-hmm. Oh my God, this resonates so much. I can't, I mean, I went to college less than two, three miles from my parents' home. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just felt like, and then also there's a line in um, that Pink Floyd song, Wish You Were Here, we're just two lost souls swimming in a fishbowl. Mm-hmm. And I remember driving up and down the main drag in Knoxville going, oh my God, I feel like I'm just a fish, like in a fish tank. Like I have got to get out. I yeah. have got to get out. And um, so we did. So I met Brian and he's kind of footloose and fancy free at the time when we met. <laughs> That's a real Southern Knoxville thing. I learned that saying in Knoxville. Um, anyway, <laughs> when I met him, he was, um, we met like toward the end of his second or his last semester of graduate school and he got his master's in forestry. And so he was going to work in a park service in Arizona conveniently. Cause I get to come see you when yeah. you're out there. And, um, and that was just a temporary job. And so after that one ended that summer, we were still together and we we're like, okay, we can't, how long are we going to do this long distance thing? I didn't have a job or I didn't have, I was just at a place in my career where I was still sort of figuring out what I wanted to do. I didn't have a real job per se. Um, so I had some flexibility to leave and he was going to go work 
doing hurricane debris cleanup in Florida. So I just tagged along and um, <laughs> I went, drove down to random Pensacola and lived there for a couple of weeks in a hotel with him. And then after that, we went to A1A Beachfront Avenue mm, mm-hmm. and we lived there in a hotel for a couple months. And then after that, that job was sort of temporary until the hurricanes were cleaned up or whatever he was doing. And then we went to, wow, this, this is really having a lot of hurricane theme because after that we went to New Orleans and we stayed there for about six months Mm -hmm. and we were like, okay, maybe we'll stay here. Maybe we'll go somewhere else. Cause that's where he's from is New Orleans. And, um, he got a job doing, I don't know. He, he literally like floated out under a bridge on Lake Pontchartrain and watch people work. I think he like just <laughs> made sure they did it safely. I don't know. It's yeah. a terrible job in the middle of the summer, <laughs> but you know, we were young and anyway, and I sort of was just, I was doing some substitute teaching and working with some kids with autism. And, um, but we still hadn't really found the jobs that we wanted to settle in for a while. And so mm-hmm. it worked out really well because um, Hurricane Katrina it, but just before it did, Brian had been offered a job in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. So we ended up being in New Orleans for about six months and Brian got the offer literally a week or two before Katrina. So it was perfect. So we yeah. left, hurricane came and we were in North Carolina. Yeah. Um, and yeah. we didn't bother you a bit. <laughs> it didn't, I don't know. I mean, his- unfortunately the rest of his entire family yeah. wasn't quite as lucky. Yeah. Um, and Brian did lose a little bit of just clothes and things like that, but nothing to the magnitude of people who had, you know, years of life within the home. But anyway, um, when we got to North Carolina, that was, I mean, we sort of just booked a, an apartment, um, signed a lease like online. I don't, I, I hadn't, we hadn't stepped foot to that complex. We hadn't that foot to carry. It was in Cary, mm-hmm. which would be a great place to live. Like if you're 40, but wasn't that great when yeah. we were, you know, 24, 25, but that's okay. It was a nice experience. And we both lived there. We lived there for a couple of years. And I think that's where, um, we really became our own people as far as careers. Mm-hmm. Like he got a job that he really enjoyed and I got a job. Um, it was a, wasn't the greatest work environment, but it was, it was my first real job. It was doing a type of work that, um, I loved and, um, Brian was then, but we kind of both just after a couple of years, we're like, we just haven't really found our, our people. Mm-hmm. And his job was transferring to Nashville or opening a new office in Nashville. So we said, why not? Let's do that. So we went to Nashville. Yeah. Um, and we ended up staying there for seven years. And so I feel like North Carolina, we kind of found our careers and kind of came into our own as sort of a young dating couple. Um, and then in that, in Nashville, that was where we started our family. We bought our first house there. We had both our kids there. We both, um, you know, Brian transferred. So he was still with the same company that he enjoyed staying with or enjoyed working for. And he got to stay with them the whole time. And I, began my work in early intervention and mm-hmm. um it sort of set the foundation for everything that's happened that's still happening in our lives um what i found out is after living in all these different and i felt after living in all these different places was we ended up spending so much of our vacation time just going home oh yeah we like totally. to travel and go see other places um <laughs> you know we certainly still tried to 
balance that, but he was from a different city than me. And, mm-hmm. you know, and so we had two different families to go see and visit. And with kids, you want to make sure they grow up with cousins and aunts and uncles and grandparents and have that. And then as just adults, you still want that time with your siblings and extended family and your parents. And so I thought, well, um, and we were at a place and, or Brian was kind of at a place in his career where he was ready for um, maybe a, a change. And so we started looking for jobs back in Knoxville. And he got one. And um, at that time, I just had an Anna, so it took a couple years off. Mm-hmm. And we moved to Knoxville and bought our house here where we hope to be for a long time and or forever, assuming we can still walk in, up and down stairs. I don't know why old people get so worried about that. <laughs> I don't think I'll have a problem going up and down the stairs at like 70 or 80. But well, <laughs> anyway, I hope I still can. I hope you can too. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. So I'd like to live here that long. Mm-hmm. And I guess I could like install a lift. Well, I, need to I mean, stairs. yeah, like in Gremlins. Well, Brian could carry me. He could carry you. That's more romantic. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Because he, I mean, if there's <laughs> any, any word to describe Brian. Oh, he's great. No, I'm being sincere. I'm being so sincere. Well, um, no. But yeah, so um, anyway, here, I think everything just sort of came together. Mm-hmm. We kind of got that fun part out at the very beginning of seeing different <laughs> places and living in the hotels, which, I mean, I would never do that now. I'm so yeah. afraid of bed bugs, but um, <laughs> I don't feel like they were a thing back then. And then we kind of found our careers in one place and our family in another place and everything sort of come together now. Yeah. It's been nice. The American um, dream. Oh yeah. I mean, we're getting our, our fence installed next week. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. But I think that's, that's a good, um, it's good to have that backstory. Because if, if people only knew, like, you're from Knoxville, you live in Knoxville, there's a lot in between that helped you learn, like, what you Mm -hmm. wanted and helped you check some boxes that you, you wanted to check. I I think if we hadn't done those other pieces, I could have the exact same life that I have now, but I would always be kind of wondering what else. I mean, the thought of living in this circumference of about 14 miles, and I'd say 14 because I'm being kind of liberal. It may not even be that big. Actually, my (laughs) circumference is a little bit bigger because I work in another county now, but or two other counties now. But for such a long time, I mean, I I think I would have, I would be very unhappy. I would feel like I just really didn't, I really missed out on experiencing something. And part of that, I mean, I didn't drive on the interstate until I was in my mid twenties because I was petrified. I'm not a good driver. Anybody will tell you that, but I definitely shush. (laughs) I mean, I'm not allowed to drive to conferences with co. I mean, I'm a huge liability. In fact, I don't know why I still have a license. Oh my gosh. I think that's because I never had to take another test again. Um, but anyway, you probably, um, um, yeah, you probably should. And I drive for a living, like to people's home. It's amazing. But I mean, I've had a lot of cars because I'm not a good driver. Not because <laughs> we just like to trade cars in. Um, but yeah, I, I think I would be, I would feel, yeah, I, I would, I would not be as happy or content. I would feel like yeah. I really missed a piece of life. Sure. Not done that. And I'm really grateful 
um, that Brian helped bring that out for sure. That's great. Yeah. And it sounds like you've done a lot of reflection on that anyway, that like has helped you understand and accept it in a way that makes you feel like you're in a good place right now. So, and Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't know if a lot of people do that kind of reflection. I would hope well, that I'm they in therapy, would. Ashley. Yeah. I'm in therapy. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe others, if they're listening and they don't do that kind of reflection, they will be inspired by you. To, mm, maybe, to... <laughs> maybe. Um, I think something too that's kind of, um, I don't know. These the questions that you sent, even though I told you I didn't do my homework, I kind of, I didn't do it by like writing out answers, but I did think a lot about, it, and I thought they they really brought out some interesting thoughts. Um, I shared a little that I think we'll get into in a little bit, but one thing that I know for sure, and is when we decided where to live, I was adamant that I was not going to live in the same zip code or neighborhood that I grew up in. I didn't, they were, they're not my people. That's not where I want my kids to grow up. That's not who my, I want my kids to go to school with. Well, um, who, who are these people? What? <laughs> That's what I was say. That it's just, I feel like it just sort of breeds a lot of competition and a lot of, um, who, you know, and, um, just unnecessary stress as far as comparison yeah. and competition. It's sort of that kind of, or for me it was, and it may not be that way. And it, I did have a unique experience for sure. I think outside of some of the other people that grew up in that neighborhood, but, um, so it could be, it's a lot of that. And then it could also be just my personal experience in association with that as well. But I was, I definitely wanted different schools. Yeah. I went to yeah, and a different sort of dynamic of families Mm -hmm. around them than I was up with yeah well that's I think some people want they they learn from their own experiences and they want that and then some others really feel like they had a great you know experience growing up and want that same thing for their kids so a lot of it depends on your own experiences Um, yeah for sure so just to think about that a little bit, has has home ever felt like it wasn't a safe or comfortable place for you? Oh, here's the loaded question, right? Um, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I think, I mean, that's a perfect segue into it, what I was just saying. Um, so when I grew up from, when we moved into the neighborhood that my parents still live in and the house they still live in, it's actually the house my dad grew up in. Wow. Um, yeah. I mean, our <laughs> roots go pretty deep. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's kind of interesting. So growing up, I went there until I was nine. It was my grandmother's house. And that's where we spent Christmas and um, holidays. And then my pa- my grandparents, they didn't want to walk up the stairs anymore. So they moved <laughs> to West Hills, a different neighborhood down the road. But my parents bought their house. And the second I moved into that neighborhood, I met... Um, another little peer, I don't know if I want to say friend, um, that lived across the street from me. And um, we were in about second grade. 
And we started walking home together and playing together. And this started a little bit with my grandmother, but it really escalated once we moved in there. But um, she began to react sexually on me. And that continued for, I don't know, till I was like 11. Wow. And yeah, so I mean, for her, I, I you know, it's a tricky dynamic because I ended up having a, I don't want to, I still hate using the word friendship, but. And I don't really, relationship sounds too close, but, yeah. you know, we had some sort of ongoing relationship until our twenties. Uh, no, that's not true until our forties. Wow. So I yeah. got into therapy, but yeah. And, um, but the reactivity was for about five years, but after that, because I think she realized there was just that cycle of what is it cycle of control. And I don't know, whatever it's like some psychology thing. You know, so sometimes we were friends, but it was a very manipulative friendship. And um, and like, if I didn't do what she wanted me to do, then she would make my life hell. She would call people or like ask like all the popular people out on my behalf or oh, gosh. <laughs> she just did some really vicious, horrible things and always made fun of me. And then she would be my friend again. And you know, I don't know, it was just, she always had this control and, um, you know, and, and I, and that continued just this just strange dynamic that I didn't understand was what I associated. And it it didn't stop until I went away to college and she went away. So that was my home. Mm -hmm. I had a wonderful parents and I was, I want to, I mean, it, and it should have been safe because they did their damnedest, but you know, and they always did the right thing by saying, if anyone ever touches you or, you know, if a grown up ever asks if you want candy, but no one ever talks about, you know, if a kid, it, it could be a kid, it could be a peer, mm. you know, they never yeah. talk about that piece. Um, I think now some people do, but they, they definitely did it back then. Yeah. So I didn't say anything and yeah, no, it wasn't, it was safe, but it wasn't. Um, and I think that's a huge part of why I don't want to live in that neighborhood. I mean, I can go to my home now and I, you know, it's, much different and um still feels like home but yeah um, well all your childhood memories are um colored by this other experience this other person who made childhood not comfortable in a way that I know um is still hard to comprehend. Um, yeah. And yeah. It, it just, and I think, I think though the, the uniqueness of our situation is that, you know, we grew up across the street and then she moved, but she was still in the same neighborhood and we spent so much time together. And so long after some of the, the touching and, you know, the reactivity and that kind of thing had stopped, there was still this element of her control over me but it was guys as friendship, I guess. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it, anyway, now I've, now I, it's a long, now I've processed it. I, there's a part of me that feels bad for the, the child and her that was, and, you know, that was abused. And, and that's a fact. I mean, kids don't do that unless yeah. something happens to them. But there's, there's the part of me too, that also recognizes at some point she was old enough to be accountable for her actions. I mean, she did things in our twenties and alluded to things when we were in our twenties 
about what happened when we were little and made light of them or joke and reference them as a joke mm-hmm. that were beyond inappropriate. So it it's a it's a very convoluted gray nuanced you taught me that word um (laughs) yeah area but um certainly there were times that didn't feel the safest it feels so it's a lot different now going back than it was growing up there so so when you go back there for like holidays or visits like do you feel you know have you been able to process it enough that like you don't sometimes you go you don't even think about those times oh, yeah or... yeah definitely yeah for sure mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's not it's not as much as a overwhelming thought at all yeah but I bet anymore. if you since you consciously made the deci- decision not to live too close to there you um you obviously wanted to protect yourself um, from having to, you know, as much as um, processing is important, it's not something you want to constantly have to do every single day. You want to have mm-hmm. days where you don't have to deal with it mentally. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't anymore. Um, I, I think, you know, there's repercussions of it, but certainly I still work through. But um, as far as that piece with, you know, specifically with her. Yeah. That's long gone now. Fortunately, I, I, I confidently can say that now, but um, I, I know that played a big piece of it. And I was telling you kind of at the beginning, before we started recording, it's really interesting. I mean, I equate home with the feeling of safety. I think that's pretty human and natural. And what's one thing that really came to mind about when I was thinking about what's safe and what's home, I thought about my dreams. And when I've dreamed about like a home or had a very nostalgic type of dream, all the, all the place or the, the place that always came up was my grandmother's house in North Carolina. Mm. I spent spent a ton of time there growing up. We would go in the summers for a week or two. And then my parents always made a concerted effort for us to go there several weekends a year. And it was always a place where I felt like I could be myself and where I could be authentic and just, just have fun. It was just always a safe space. And I think North, Car- North Carolina, well, and Lutheridge, um, <laughs> I also felt the same. Even mm-hmm. that first year at that dance, I felt like I felt that, but more so that year that I really met you and Laurie, it's when I think that place really started feeling like home. Yeah. Yeah, well, I I can still picture that house in North Carolina because I got to <laughs> visit you there sometimes. Definitely like a yeah. like quintessential grandmother's house, cozy and comfortable. And yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, I like that. I like that. That's sort of what your subconscious takes you to when you. It does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it has for years and years. And I really didn't put that together until I got some of the questions for this. And I was like, that is just oh, so interesting. Cool. Yeah. Cool. It's so interesting. <laughs> and um, and I think that's what really made me think, okay, what are the places historically that have made me feel, or why, well, what it made me ask is why do you, 
like when I got your questions, why I wonder why it's that. Oh, because I always felt safe there. Mm-hmm. And so historically, what are the other places that made you feel safe that you would sort of equate with a home-like feeling? And I think the other place would be the Lutheran church and then oh, yeah. Lutheran as well, because I grew up Methodist here in Knoxville. And so when we came back and my husband grew up Catholic, um, and then when I, but I wasn't going to join the Catholic church and um, that's just a lot of work. <laughs> and um, <laughs> It is. It is a lot of work. It's a lot of work. Catholic, and, I'm um, sure. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, and he, you know, he'll always be Catholic and that's, I don't care about that. Um, but we also thought, well, maybe we can find something together. And he didn't really love the church that I grew up in. And about that time, the Methodist church was starting their discussion about um, whether people of the same gender can get married. And I just thought, oh my God, like, are we seriously having this conversation? I can't, I can't sit around and listen to this. Yeah. Let's just go yeah. to a church that's already done it and go and go. And we found a Lutheran church. And I was like, this feels like coming home. Yay. Because that's where I went. I don't know. I guess because of the ties to Lutheran and the ties to North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and granted, not every Lutheran church, um, feels the same way um because i i definitely just had a friend who brought up another church who some churches have left the the ELCA the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America because of our more liberal stance on same-sex marriage but i think for me and for a lot of people that's one reason to continue with it it's like we're we're evolving and this is this God is love, and anybody who thinks otherwise probably should find somewhere else to go. Yeah. <laughs> um, we just have a few more minutes. I wanted to ask you if, um, well, I'm glad that you, I'm, I really appreciate what you said about places that feel like home. But you know that. I just wanted to say that. Um, Is there anything that is not a physical place um, that feels like home to you? Yes. Great. Let's hear it. (laughs) (laughs) So um, it's not a physical place, but it's a physical ditch of food. Um, <laughs> you, you gave me some prompts to consider. Um, it could have been a song. It could have been, a, you know, anything that wasn't a place. But one thing, again, I, I don't know, this is comfort, this is safety. But um, every year we pick our birthday dinners and I am not one that's much for change. And so I think for the last <laughs> I don't know, probably 35 years. Um, My mom's made, I know, seriously, seriously. She's always made like fried shrimp, red potatoes, and lima beans. And then her homemade, I mean, it's like homemade, but not strawberry cake. It's like a white cake, but she puts strawberries in it. So Mm. it's homemade. Um, (laughs) It's really good. And then she makes the icing. And um, Mm. uh, there's such comfort in that in that food and um yeah all the all the I mean it was always just full of family and friends during my high school years you know my best friend Kelly would come over and eat 
birthday dinner. I mean, she could probably tell you the menu. Oh my god, Brian could. Yeah, <laughs> my sisters could. Anybody could tell you the menu. I love that it's this. It's been the same thing. That's really really right. cool. Yeah, and I feel like yeah, yeah. My dad um, has part of the same. I don't know if his includes limas, but it definitely <laughs> includes the shrimp and the strawberry cake. Yeah, yeah. Well, as I also told you, I think you and my daughter are the only two people who would include include lima beans as part of their favorite meal. And yeah, yeah. (laughs) I love lima beans. I mean, I'm fairly confident if I'm on death row, that will be my last supper. Well, you know it. You know exactly what it would be. I mean, oh my I God. don't know. Like, I don't know if prison food, I mean, they'll go. Well, they buy prison food from like outside. I think they do because I feel like some people order like burgers or something. Um, I don't know. But <laughs> I don't know. But with the, with the like five minutes we have left, I want you to tell me about the prison. <laughs> like, I don't know. We're moving past the prison. <laughs> the last no, this is last meals before you're injected. The- the um the prison tour that you did for somebody's birthday in your family? Oh, that was my dad's birthday. Your dad's mm-hmm. birthday. You went to a notorious Brushy Mountain. Mm-hmm. Brushy Mountain State Penitentiary, I yeah. guess. Um, it's closed down, but that's where uh what's that guy's name that shot um MLK? He was there, he escaped, and then they caught him again. Wow. That was saying. It's not Sirhan. Sirhan, that's a guy who did Bobby Kennedy. Oh my gosh, I should totally know that. John Wilkes Booth. Wait, Kennedy? No, that's the. <laughs> Wait, that's Abraham Lincoln. Oh my god. This is okay. We should probably stop before we embarrass yeah, ourselves. Yeah, before it gets but way it, worse. But I do, I do like that. Um, as part of like a family birthday celebration, you went to this on this prison tour, and there's a brewery there too, though, right? Well, we didn't go to that brewery. There's one not too far off. Um, and it's my favorite, one of my favorite places. It's, um, the lily pad, but it was a little too far for my family to drive that day. So we oh. just went to a restaurant and got some beer back in town. But- <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. All right. I thought it was going to be, um, like the, the noose brewery or something like that oh no 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 (laughs) no 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 well um uh coming back to the topic of home um i think that uh is there anything else that um that you wanted to talk about like um, as far as relating to home that we didn't get to touch on? Got, no, like, I would just like to clear up that it was James Earl Ray. James Earl Ray. It was. It was. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad they caught him again. Um, yeah, I don't think he was gone long. Yeah, that's good. Um, um, I don't think so. I mean, the, every time I travel to a new place, Like most recently, I most recently had this thought. I feel like I should be a Midwesterner. Mm. I love, I mean, I love Wisconsin. I did marry (laughs) Wisconsin. I would live there in a heartbeat. I would like to summer in Wisconsin. Oh, yeah. Not winter. But, you know, every time I go to a new place, I think, 
what would it take for this to be my new home? Yeah. I don't really know what to say about that other than I think it would take my extended family moving. Mm. I would like to be close to them. It would just. And they're never going to move. Oh God, no. Are you kidding me? No. I'm telling you, they act like I'm in freaking Kansas. (laughs) But that's why, that's why, and you've, you and Brian have, have done such a good job over the last few years, especially the kids are at the right age to do summer road trips, seeing different parts of America. And you're coming here to the Pacific Northwest this summer. And, um, yeah, it'll be really cool. I know you've visited here before, right? Before we lived I've here. I've been to Seattle. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But no other part of the Pacific Northwest. And I think that's that's exactly right. So now because, you know, my family is here, we don't have to spend as much time traveling back and forth to see them. Mm-hmm. And we usually go to Brian's for a holiday. And during Mardi Gras, we're going next week. And um, then we usually see them like, at the beach or they might come up here. So we see them. So then we can spend the rest of our time exploring the other places that, um, you know, we haven't had a chance to see yet. It's important for us to, for our kids to see yeah. more than just Knoxville. Absolutely. And Tennessee. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Katie. It's been really, really fun to talk to you and you have so much insight and uh i'm just really really glad that you finally were able to squeeze me in and i know i know i'm so sorry i mean i feel i've been i have felt so bad about not being able to accommodate you so i'm glad this worked out yeah me too me too and (laughs) and we'll talk soon so thanks so much katie sounds good (laughs) bye all right